I've had to think a lot about medical diagnostics in, let's say, the last six months. One of our largest sort of research projects, as, as many of you know, here at Emerge, we do pretty large bespoke research projects for large companies and organizations. People who need to make important and often very expensive decisions about AI, they can't really do that without being plugged into the very cutting edge. So they'll contact us here at Emerge and figure out what we can help with in terms of helping them explore the possibility space of AI. And we were actually called upon by the World Bank to do a good deal of research on the potential of applying artificial intelligence to health data in the developing world. Diagnostics was a very big focus of our interviews, a very big focus of the information that I presented. Project not only took me to Romania, but to South Africa, to Thailand, to speak to ministers of health and IT about the potential of diagnostics. And I personally believe it's an area of great promise. And luckily, we get to focus in on that here this episode on the AI and Industry podcast. We speak this this week with Yufeng Deng, who's the chief scientist of InfraVision, uh, which is a company that focuses on computer vision for medical diagnostics. They focus on kind of the, the chest region, medical diagnostics for the chest region. And we speak with Yufeng about two topics that I think are really interesting for our audience. Number one is kind of the expanding capability of machine vision. If you're thinking about leveraging machine vision and wondering what kinds of problems can be solved, Yufeng goes into detail about what they're working on with his company, what kind of data they've needed to collect, what it is now possible to do with the technology and what they're hoping to do. So then kind of opening people's eyes to what computer vision can do is one interesting facet. A second facet is taking a look at how these applications come to be in terms of data and in terms of finding a business problem. Whether it's within an existing big organization or whether it's running a startup, finding a problem that deserves to be solved is a critical role for folks who want to apply artificial intelligence. Asking where can we apply AI is often a pretty bad use of time, but determining what AI is good at and then pointing it at the problems where it can really make a difference is a big deal. And Yufeng speaks to us about how their company did that. I think his insights are going to apply to people in big enterprises or even in small businesses who are looking at their own company and saying, where are the leverage? points. Where is the data access? What problems to focus on first? How do we expand those problems into greater areas of capability? They've had to think through these, these problems in great depth at their firm, and I think everybody tuned in is inevitably going to run into similar brainstorms in their company. So I think that's kind of going to be ubiquitously useful. I hope in our future sort of bespoke research work in the year ahead, we get to focus more on diagnostics because I, I just I love this area. I think there's a lot of promise here, and I'm really glad that we got to get in this interview. So without further ado, this is Yufang Deng with InfraVision, and you're listening to AI and Industry Podcast with me, Dan Fagella. Let's dive right in. So, Deng, we're talking about kind of medical diagnostics and, and particularly informing diagnostics with imagery. Your focus is the chest medical imagery on the chest, lots of important organs there. And before this recording here, you're talking about nearly 300 hospitals where you know pilots, trials of these applications are being leveraged. Where do we see the most traction? What are kind of the established use cases where the value is really clear in terms of diagnostics in the chest region at present, just for the folks tuned in? Sure. Thanks for the question. I think uh, really the lung nodule detection or the early lung cancer detection is really a good starting point for us. When InfraVision started about four years ago, we went to talk to a lot of radiologists and asking them, what is the most time-consuming task they do? What is the biggest challenge or biggest area that you think AI could help you to improve your efficiency? 
And uh, we got most of the answers came back is not surprisingly long nodule detection. This is because when radiologists look at a set of chest CTs, whether it could be 300 and 400 slices, typically they spend 10 to 15 minutes on each set of chest CT, and half of this time was used to look for early lung cancer or lung mm. nodule. Yeah, you said nodules. Can we just clarify what you mean by that, Dang, for the people who aren't medical experts here? Sure. The lung nodules refer to these tiny typically less than three centimeter, either round or other shape. These little tiny things could be solid or part solid, these things that could develop into lung cancer later on. So you call this lung nodule, which is a manifestation of early lung cancer. Okay. So yeah, it's, it, there's a particular kind of, it sounds like a growth that occurs that, that is often a leading indicator, it sounds like. Exactly. Okay. Understood. So So it sounds like you're saying each set of scans takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes to actually look through and to highlight and to understand? Yeah, yeah. But uh, long nodule detection could take half of that time because long nodule is small, it's hard to find. And typically, radiologists have to look at images several times with different window lengths and different views to okay. really localize these long nodules. And uh, AI can be a good help there because the computers can now find those nodules for you and you can only focus on the areas of suspicion instead of looking through every slice yourself. Yeah. Okay. So to kind of boiling down what might be of interest to the humans and then letting the human make the final call, I guess. Um, right. Kind of saving time there makes sense. And, and obviously lung cancer makes sense as a place to start because we're talking about a pretty big market here. I know, you know, people talk about lung cancer and smoking cigarettes in the United States, but from what I understand in China, it's even a way bigger deal, right? Because of the, the air pollution and obviously the, the number of people who smoke. I totally agree. It's nice that uh, the U.S. has started this national lung cancer screening program that has started a few years ago. China is looking at similar things. Europe is oh, looking good. at similar things. There is a significant smoking population in China probably yep. even bigger in China than the U.S. So really, we're looking at this problem, the combination of smoking plus air pollution, which makes lung cancer the biggest threat to human, both in men and women, according to the latest status, uh, statistics this year. Yeah, you, you, you know, we often get super in-depth news about individual Chinese cities in the U.S., but oftentimes it, it either has to do with some big political announcement or something about air quality. So we hear enough about it. And I know we have cities like San Francisco that often aren't better thanks to the fires, but a big enough problem. So we've got a big problem area. You know, chest x-rays are extremely common. And so for that reason, you're, you're not picking a very obscure x-ray, like let's say an x-ray of the foot, where that might happen 1 20th of the, of the frequency of a chest x-ray. So we find a, a high volume disease. We find uh, an, an instance of a type of diagnostic test that's actually very important, very frequent. We're talking about lung cancer here. Anything else in the chest that today is pretty well established, where the, the traction is there, the ability to kind of coax forth those insights from machines is there. Anything else in the chest that today has some pretty good traction behind it in terms of what AI can do? Oh, yeah, yeah. As we are good with lung cancer screening or lung nodule detection, we are actually thinking about what other things that a radiologist look at when he or she reads a chest CT scan? The immediate next thing we think about is bone fracture. 
Hmm. And uh, bone fracture is typically, especially the rib fracture and other types, typically detected through chest CTs. And bone fracture can be caused by a lot of things. It could be a, a traffic accident or it could be um, an accident from your work. So a lot of these things you have to get a chest CT and uh, detect bone fractures and use the report to go to your insurance or get appropriate reimbursement. So that makes bone fracture detection on chest CT an important piece. Um, on top of that, we're also branching into chronic lung diseases such as emphysema, as well as uh, cardiac uh, functions related diseases just, uh, such as uh, coronary artery calcification. So all these things are typically read by a radiologist when he or she reads a chest CT series. So we hope to expand our AI capabilities to cover different types of things that, that the doctor or radiologist look at so yeah. that we could help them further. Yeah, and let, so, okay, makes sense. And I think this is interesting for the people tuned in who want to, not only the people who run AI companies, but the people who are thinking about how AI extends itself into a sector. I think this is kind of an interesting phone call because we're hearing what it takes to kind of land and expand in terms of uh, the capabilities of AI. And this is, you know, what we're talking about with Deng is, is very common to what we'll see in other spaces. So you, you have a, a use case where you know you can have traction, you get some healthy traction there, and then you say, okay, given the data we're already collecting, all these chest scans, what else are the most common things looked for here? And let's go ahead and expand to these next. So very kind of logical progression. One question I want to ask you before we move into the, the, the next question in the list here is when it comes to labeling this data, I know that it's a bit of a challenge because oftentimes the people who are going to be able to label this data well are pretty well-trained medical folks who oftentimes have gone to very expensive schooling and are are busy kind of treating patients and, and working in, in a busy environment. How, how does one go about kind of collecting the information when, when the people who have that information often aren't able to sit down and do a data labeling job for eight or 10 hours a day, like if we're, let's say, labeling data for computer vision, where we need to know a stop sign, we need to know what's a person, what's a sidewalk. This is a much harder labeling problem. How do we collect that info? That's an excellent question. I guess that's also one of the advantage of being in China. Uh, hmm. For us, we actually have a team, a labeling team, where we recruit radiologists to come to our office to label for us during their off-clinical days. And in addition, we have come up with a four-step labeling protocol to ensure our labeling is quality. accurate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the quality control there is, I will say, the most important piece for a good AI model. Yep. Um, so we have this four-step quality control process where each image is at least labeled by two radiologists respectively and independently. And the third step is we'll have a more experienced radiologist to look at the previous two annotations, two labelings, and make a final decision if these two labelings don't agree with each other. Yeah, and okay, so you have a that, judge. We, <laughs> That's sorry, interesting. Yes. Yeah, we yeah. have a judge which, who are re usually a more experienced um, yeah, yeah. A, a person. And on top of that, we have a fourth step, which is a random check process on every day. We have a quality control specialist who will pull up random 
images from each day and uh, just to check the labeling on them. And if he or she finds something wrong, we'll trace back to who was the radiologist who did the labeling and who was the judge on that. And uh, hopefully we'll improve the process um, yeah. if that image didn't pass. That's see Now, this is a robust process. Obviously, in a space like you know, medical diagnostics, we, we have an extra emphasis to do these things as opposed to, you know, maybe people who are identifying, you know, clothing for an e-commerce site may or may not need the same degree of absolute hyper refinement and procedures here. But in your case, you do. And I think for the people listening in who want to train an algorithm, they say, oh, well, we have a ton of image data. We, we could train an algorithm. Well, a lot of the time, you're going to have to be prepared to do what Dang is talking about, which is setting up these robust structures to ensure the quality of labeling and manage that quality ongoing. And that is not an easy thing to do. So um, Dang, l- let me maybe move into kind of the question that, that might cap us off for the interview, but you're going to have a lot of insight on this. And that is where you're seeing traction and what commonalities there are among the hospitals that are kind of able to leverage this. So there's, you know, we've interviewed oodles and oodles and oodles of, of uh, healthcare related AI companies. It's a hard world out there, you know, being able to sell into the hospital environment. It's, it's not always fast moving. These are people that generally are spending most of their day, oftentimes treating patients or, or involved in other workflows and technology procurement and training is maybe not always their favorite thing. When you look at the hospitals that are really taking what you folks are doing in, in medical imaging and diagnostics and, and working it into a workflow successfully and seeing some degree of efficiency from that, actually improving uh, their processes from that, what do they have in common? What do those people that are fruitful users actually do or have that makes them fruitful users? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I think the first point is workflow integration uh, because... If you have a good AI model, that's not enough. In this medical world, you have to integrate your solution seamlessly into the workflow of the doctors and physicians so that they could really use your tool to improve their efficiency. Rather, your tool is an extra step for them, and that could really decrease their efficiency. We have worked with a lot of hospitals and collaborators, and the first thing we talk to them is how do we integrate our tool into their medical system? How do we integrate our software and hardware into their IT workflow? A big part of it is how do we display our results? We could either use our own viewer to display all the results along with the images, or we could work their PACS systems or work with their reporting systems to have APIs to work together so that it could use their existing softwares to display the AI results. In that way, they don't have to open up new windows so that it's one less burden on them. Yeah. Gosh, dang, you know, I think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, please. If there's more detail here, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, and uh, one interesting question that we actually spend a lot of time uh, with uh, our customer is, how do we save our AI results? Do we save everything into their packs so that they have to explain to their referring physicians or their clinical departments on why AI makes such a decision and human make different decisions? Or do we not save anything uh, and let humans to make the final judgment? These are all the questions we have to consider when we actually work with these hospitals. And uh, a lot of times we provide the options for the radiologist to say what they want. 
so that they don't save additional information to raise questions so that they have to explain to the patient or to their referring physicians. These are really nuanced challenges. I think anybody that works in the healthcare field will understand this. But the, 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 the lessons actually extrapolate to all industries. There's always going to be this workflow element. And maybe in some spaces, it's easier than others. You know, dang, I'm thinking out loud as you're articulating this. And I actually feel like the people who really take over medical diagnostics in terms of really becoming the norm in terms of the, the big vendor in this space, whether it's you know, whether it's x-rays, whether it's CT scans, whatever the space is, they're going to be the people, I think, who can really nail like the, the sales process and the integration ease process. That may be as if not more important than how good your algorithm is. I almost feel like the proprietary differentiator, you know, everybody thinks it has to be in the data when you're an AI company. But I feel like in this case, man, wouldn't the differentiator really be having the ability to sell and integrate faster than other people and make that easier. It almost seems like a, a bigger overall hurdle to making this normal. You might think that's an exaggeration, but what, what are your thoughts there? This is really interesting to me. I partially agree. I would think data is important. Having good data and good labeling will punch you a ticket into this industry. But what you are saying is definitely correct. I think at the last mile, which is the integration is working with your customers, working with the hospital IT systems really makes a big difference. If you can do that, if you can really make your customers happy and be efficient into their workflow, that will really make you an advantage versus your competitors. So I think it's both data plus integration. I think you need both of them to be successful. Yeah, and I I think... You know, the the data part is unique to AI. The integration part is kind of any technology solution. But I think particularly a lot of these AI solutions, and I don't, I don't know the details of, of yours, but if they need to take data from a user's or a client's system and sort of integrate that into the training process in some way, like the the not just the IT integration, but the data integration, that feels like the extra hurdle that AI companies often have to overcome that's that's extra hard. For the most part, the hospitals that are going to use what you guys do, Dang, are they essentially just going to use the, the the already trained algorithms on these specific types of use cases? Or are they also going to be kind of feeding in their own cases, which will in some way enter the loop of training this system? Or is the training done and you don't need to you know, pull their data into your, your system in any way? For the majority of our collaborators or users, we do not pull their data to our training. We have established detailed or in-depth collaboration with a few of our collaborators from early on, about four years ago when we started this process. And we, we have partnered with several major hospitals in China where those hospitals are our strategic partners, where we take yeah. data from them and uh, design products with them together. These type of relationships, it takes time to foster And uh, if we just go to a new site and we don't know each other that well, they probably are not comfortable for us to use their data and we're not comfortable to take data from them either. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, of course, you need those partnerships to get the data off the ground. That's one of the big hurdles for an AI vendor company is can we collect enough labeled information? Of course, you need those partnerships. But at the same time, it's nice if you get a system that's so well-trained that 
Yes, you need to do the IT integration, but you don't need them to integrate their data flows into your product too, because that's one more layer of challenge to get it actually up and working. If you can say, hey, look, the algorithms work, give it an image and it goes, yes, we need to IT integrate, but you don't need to train anything. Just just plug and play, run with it. We've, tr we've trained it on you know hundreds of thousands of images. That makes things, it seems like, a little bit easier for the user. That's very true. But on the other side, if we could get some data from them and fine-tune our algorithm yeah. to work better yeah. there, that would be yeah. great. That's the pro. Yeah, those are the pros and cons, right? You want to have that feedback loop to continuously build this swelling mass of labeled data so you can be better, 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 better. But you also want to be able to get this thing set up in less than, you know, 12 months uh, to, to deliver some results for people. So that's a little bit of a tug of war. And I think people who are buying AI solutions who are listening in should know that. And obviously people selling them already do know that. Clearly you folks are, are working through that on your own. Um, dang, that's all that we had for time, but I sincerely appreciate you being able to share some your insights about the world of diagnostics. This has been a lot of fun and thank you a ton for being here. Thank you very much. I had fun too. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.